This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Well, Happy New Year, Hope Church. Happy New Year. Oh dear. Parties were had last night, I can tell. Whether you're in the room or on the Zoom, you're welcome. It's good to be here today. Well, today we're going to start with a short word from chapter 5. Chapter 5, of course, from the the Star Wars saga. So it's a real shame that Tom and Steve aren't here to enjoy this today. But chapter 5 of the Star Wars saga, otherwise known as the Empire Strikes Back. Luke Skywalker is off searching for the Jedi Master Yoda and trying to persuade him to train him in the ways of the Force. But Yoda is not convinced that Luke has what it takes to become his disciple. He thinks Luke will be distracted, always his eyes upon the future, upon the horizon, never his mind on where he is or what he is doing. So Yoda poses the question that is at the heart of today's sermon. Will he finish what he begins? Will he finish what he begins? And today, on the first day of 2023, the start of a new year, a time when people often think about their plans and priorities for the coming year and reflect on the year that has gone past. God has so arranged our preaching plan that Jesus too asks this same question of us. Will you finish what you begin? So today we return to our epic preaching series, even greater in scope than the Star Wars saga itself, as we continue to walk through the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, verse by verse, leaving nothing out. And we pick up again in chapter 14, which is where we were before we paused for Christmas. So just to remind you of the story so far, Jesus is travelling down from the north of Israel in Galilee, down towards Jerusalem in the south. Crowds are gathering around him. He's amassing a following. Jesus was the original influencer. He had followers by the bucket load. They were listening to his preaching. They were watching his miracles, enjoying it when he was winding up the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. And you might recall that Jesus told two parables, one comparing the kingdom of God to a wedding feast where the humble are given a seat of honour. And another parable teaching that the kingdom of God is like a great banquet. But then, in today's passage, Jesus turns to the crowd and he warns them that this life is not all free food and parties. Let's read from Luke chapter 14, starting verse 25. It says, Now the crowds accompanied him, and he turned to them and said, If anyone comes to me, and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether or not he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid his foundation and he's not able to finish it, all who see it will begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. 
or what king? Going out to encounter another king in war will not first sit down and deliberate whether he is able with his 10,000 to meet the one who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is still yet a great way away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Oh, what a joyful passage we've got here this morning. (laughs) Quite a contrast from all the party talk. Now, Jesus says a lot, so let's just kind of break it down. And the first question that sprung to my mind is, why is the God who commanded, honor your father and mother, now saying that you should hate your parents? Now, before all the teenagers in the room feel vindicated... I should point out that this is a particularly Jewish turn of phrase that's not supposed to be taken literally, but it's rather an illustration that makes a point through exaggeration. And to help explain this, I'm going to need a couple of volunteers to help me. So I need, first of all, someone to represent something that I like. Uh, Bethany, could you just come here? Um, (laughs) So if you could just kind of stand here, this would be great. I forgot to mention before we started, there's a great moment in the life of any pilot when they finally get to fly solo for the first time. And Esme is flying solo on the laptop this morning. And I've completely forgot to tell her about this bit of the sermon where actually there's going to be people spread all across the front of the stage. If, you could, if you're able to turn off the, the virtual display board, that would be great. Otherwise, you won't see Bethany's face. Anyway, so I need someone to represent something that I like. That's Bethany. You should be... Fruit crumble. Okay. And now I need someone to represent something, something I don't like. Uh, Laurie. Oh, I want to marry my daughter. Right. So, so you stand right there. Okay. So you shall be broccoli. Okay. So something I like, crumble. Something I dislike, broccoli. Now. So we can see this is like. Like is about an arm length long. That's what like looks like. This is what dislike looks like. Broccoli. Okay. And now I need someone to represent something that I truly love. Lydia. Could could you be an arm's length beyond Bethany? Okay. There we go. Okay. So something that I like, crumble, something that I dislike, Broccoli, this is what like looks like. This is what dislike looks like. Whereas love is more than like. I love Lydia and my family. And so this is what love looks like. It's this big. Like is this big. Love is this big. Do you kind of get the picture? Right, okay. So very good. So now I need someone to represent something I hate. (laughs) Woo! How could this possibly go wrong? Howard. If you, if you could be uh, dress an arm's length beyond uh, Laurie, that would be great. Cool. So Howard, Howard is Sprouts. <laughs> See, so I like crumble. I dislike broccoli. I love my family. I hate Sprouts. So you see, the distance represents what it is. Okay. So, Brother Dave, <laughs> I needed Jesus. Could you, if you, if you could stand, um, 
Oh, wow, okay. Now uh, 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 he, oh, right. Oh, here. Okay. okay. Could you go in the car park? Yes. <laughs> so, keeping the, keeping the sound team on their, te- t- on their feet as I walk straight past the, uh, the last speaker. Okay. So, so, Dave is as far from me, okay, again, as, as Sprouts are. He's as far from my family... As, as sprouts are from me. So if, if this distance here is dislike and this distance here is hate, that's how big hate looks like, okay? And over here is like and love. But the distance from love to Jesus is as big as a distance from me to hate. And so that's what Jesus is kind of getting at. The, the difference in emotion between what you feel for Jesus and what you feel for the other stuff in your life that you love, should be so big, it looks like the same size of distance as from you to Sprouts, or whatever it is that you hate. Do you get the point? Do you see it? Very good. Thank you very much. Give them a round of applause. So the difference between what we feel for Jesus compared to what we feel for our family should be so great that the comparison of size makes it look like hatred. Yes, that's right. Yeah, same thing. Apparently it's the same word in Greek. Right. If anyone... So Jesus said, verse 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, brothers and children, sisters, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So when it comes to discipleship, Jesus demands a devotion that far surpasses our love for our family. Now, how about that for a challenge to start the new year? It doesn't mean that we love our family any less. What it means, though, is that if you're at all like me, there's some work to do on that love for Jesus to get it in the right proportion. We don't love our family any less but we need to wrap our heads around how we can love Jesus more. And then Jesus goes on to say, verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now remember, when Jesus said this, he had not yet been crucified. So when his disciples heard Jesus talking about the cross, it didn't come with all the theological and religious baggage that we have when we hear that term. And we don't, you know, we would think about Easter and all that kind of stuff. His disciples didn't have this in mind at all. All they were thinking about was crime and punishment from the occupying army. They were thinking about what it means to carry an unfair weight or an unjust burden. In other words, Jesus was saying that to be my follower is at the very least hard work. And at very worst, it could cost you your life. Jesus was not in the mood to sugarcoat things. And throughout the history of the church, from then until this very day, many of Jesus' disciples struggle under unfair burdens and injustice, even to the point of death. So Jesus is saying, count the cost. Don't get swept up in the emotion. Don't just be in this for the free lunches. Verse 28, Jesus goes on to say, and which of you desiring to build a tower? And it's not, you know, it's not just about towers. This is about doing something, you know, embarking on a project which is hard work. Who does not first sit down and count the cost and make sure he's got enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid the foundation, once he's started, 
and he's not able to finish, people are going to begin to mock him and say, look, this man began to build what he was not able to finish. And as I read this, I was struck by this idea of planning. And just before you start something, deciding whether or not you've got the resources to be able to finish the job that you started. Will he finish what he begins? I think one of the temptations it's very easy to Christians to fall into, especially if you're kind of at where we sit on the theological spectrum where we're quite you know, faith forward, believing that God can do all things and he's involved in our lives and all this kind of stuff. But it's very easy to fall into the, the trap of misplaced faith, could I say that? Or misappropriated faith, which means we use faith as a covering for our own failings, laziness, and inadequacies. You see, faith is, is relying on God's promises, relying on that God will do what he said he will do in the Bible. But sometimes we can fall into the trap of just putting our faith in what we want God to do because we couldn't be bothered to do it ourselves or forgot. It's like putting your faith in God that's going to help you to pass the exam that you never bothered to study for. Yeah? The Bible never promises that God will stand in the gap when you decide to go out partying rather than do your homework. How often have we had an idea to do something? It might be something very worthwhile. It might be something very good. It might be something honestly in our hearts for God. But rather than sit down and work out how I got the time and the talent and the money and the resources to do this and to do it properly, we just dive straight in and say, well, I'm going to trust in God with the details. What we really mean is I can't be bothered to plan. Or maybe it's just me. You know, we can, we can drop into this kind of ready-fire-aim school of discipleship, which Jesus is not a fan of. Why? Because he makes the, the comparison twice. He goes on in verse 31. He says, What king going out to encounter another king in war will not first sit down and work out if his army, that's half the size of the other army, is going to prevail? And if he realizes that he can't, he's going to sue for peace. In other words, the king eats humble pie realizing this is a battle I cannot win and asking for peace terms. Now, as followers of Jesus, as believers of the word of God, we can be confident that we will be victorious in every battle that God asks us to fight. That's not the same as expecting to win every battle that we pick. And sometimes we pick fights and then they get upset when we get a black eye. And God said, oh, I did ask you to get into that fight. Why are you being distracted from the stuff I've asked you to do? Yeah. And finally, Jesus says, therefore, if anybody doesn't renounce all that you have, you cannot be my disciple. You know, Jesus gave up all that he had, all his glory on, in heaven, his very life upon the earth. And he just asked us to do the same. Now, he doesn't mean that he expects us all to literally walk out of here today and give away everything that we have and all of our possessions. Because actually that's the tools he's given us to do what he's called us to do at this time. But what, he, what I think it does mean is that when the time comes, whether it's something big or small that he asks us to do, that we should be ready to do it. We should hold on loosely to all the stuff that we've been made stewards of upon this earth, recognising that it is the master's own and we're just stewards of it, and whatever he asks us to do with it, we should do with it. In other words, this year, will you finish what you begin?
And will you finish what you began last year? Now, to finish anything requires perseverance, which is the ability to keep going when it's easy and when it's difficult. I heard a phrase this week that really struck with, stuck with me, and it's this. God is in your tomorrows today. God is in your tomorrows today. And what that means is, I think, that today God is active in your life, getting you and your situation ready for what will come along tomorrow and in the future. He is planting today the seeds of future opportunities. He's developing in you today the skills and the character that you will need to flourish through what the next year brings. Yeah, and we live in a modern world of, of instant gratification. All the movies you want are available to stream instantly. You want to shop online? It's delivered tomorrow. You want to talk to someone? Send a WhatsApp message. You get a reply in seconds. And that can lead us to make the mistake of thinking that if I want something today, I just need to pay the price for it today, and I can have it today. Let me tell you a secret. This is your secret for 2023 of how to succeed in life, the universe, and everything. Anything of value, anything important in your life, anything worth having, you always have to pay the price today for what you want tomorrow. It's never the same day. There is always a gap of time between paying the price and getting the prize. You want to pass that exam next year? Well, you have to study throughout this year to be able to do that. You want to have a good marriage next month? Well, you need to put some effort in this month. You want to have a better relationship with Jesus next week? Then you need to spend this week reading the Bible, praying and getting to know him. In other words, you always pay today for tomorrow's success. You always learn today for tomorrow's challenges. And you always grow today for tomorrow's responsibilities. And this gap between putting the effort in and seeing the results or the rewards, in that gap lives perseverance. And perseverance is a long word, but it's very easy to spell. It's spelled F-A-I-T-H. Because the only reason to persevere at anything, the only reason to keep on going is because you believe, because you have the faith that the result that comes tomorrow is worth the time and effort you put in today. Otherwise, you would give up. It wouldn't make sense, would it? And the only reason to persevere as a disciple of Jesus is because you have faith to believe that what the Bible says is true. When you read, for example, in 2 Peter 1, he says this, his, talk about Jesus, his divine power has granted to us all things, how many things? All, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Well, that's pretty much everything, isn't it? Everything you need for life, everything you need to be godly, what else is there? Okay, He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge, in other words, knowing Jesus, reading the Bible, through the knowledge of him, who is called to his own glory and excellence, by which he has already granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of that divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. So for this reason, make every effort. 
How many efforts? Every effort. To supplement your faith with virtue, your virtue with knowledge, your knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities of yours are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. You will never fall. God said it, it must be true. So this is the Lord's word of challenge to us on this New Year's Day. Will you finish what you begin? This means making wise, Holy Spirit-guided choices about what to begin, what not to begin, and the timing of when to begin things. Always recognizing that you have to pay the price today for tomorrow's success. And in that gap lives perseverance. God has given us all that we need for life and godliness. But that doesn't mean that we yet know how to use it. That's where practice comes in. That's where discipleship comes in. That's where getting to know Jesus comes in. Practice and perseverance. We get better at using these things that God has already given us over time. Let me just finish with some words of encouragement from the Apostle Paul. Reading from the the message version, he wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus while he was in jail. But it's a great word of encouragement for us all. Ephesians 4 from the message translation goes like this. In light of all this, here's what I want you to do while I'm locked up here in prison for the master. I want you to get out there and walk, better yet, run on the road that God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline. Not not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who rules over all and works for all and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with this oneness. Amen. Amen. Now, we have a fantastic opportunity for you to grow in your discipleship over the coming weeks. We're going to be running an alpha course in our home groups between January and Easter, and then we'll run another public alpha course after Easter. If you're part of a home group, then brilliant. I encourage you to turn up every week, and you'll be blessed as we go through this Alpha series. I guarantee that you will love it or your money back. Now, if you're not part of a home group, this is a great opportunity to get involved. You don't even need to commit. Just say, oh, I'm just coming for Alpha. And then you find you like it, and you can decide to stay. No pressure. And Alpha is a great grounding in the basics of the Christian faith. If you've done it in the past, some time ago, I'm... I think you'll find this new version is a breath of fresh air. Gone are the sweater shop jumpers. Instead, we've got 
excellent quality. I mean, like a professional-grade filming that takes place all around the world. It's a real breath of fresh air. It's brilliantly done. Now, we have got three home groups at the moment. We've got Hope South down in the Halavington area. We've got Hope Central here in Marlesbury Town. We've got Hope in the Clouds, which meets online um, every week. Whether if that just works better for you more conveniently or you live further out and online meetings are for you. Now, if you want to be part of a home group or just put your toe in without making a commitment just to go through the Alpha course, speak to me and Lydia after the service. We'll put you in touch with one of the home group leaders. Now, to finish, let me just read from the letter to Jude. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen and amen. Happy New Year, church. Amen. Little something to add? Little something. Okay. Good job. I love you. Yeah. Good job. You don't pay any attention to me itching to stand up. Um, <laughs> I just have to reread what a member of our congregation brought earlier because it's exactly what you just preached. I just didn't... I read it at the beginning. I got Dave to read it. I'm just going to um, read it from the ESV, but just uh, put the King James end on it. Um, it's... 1 Samuel 30, verse 8. Now, bear in mind, this person came to me and said, I feel this is a a relevant piece of Scripture for people here this morning. And I read it. We got it read right at the beginning. We have to read it at the end because it's exactly what you just preached. I don't think anyone's realised this why I have to say it. 1 Samuel 30, verse 8. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this? band, shall I overtake them? He answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely recover all. So earlier we felt it was a scripture for us as we started the year, but the question is, go to God, do I pursue this? And then you pursue, and pursue is perseverance in action. Mm -hmm. And you will recover all. And I couldn't leave it at that because you need to know that God is speaking to us today in so many ways. And there is no way that person in the congregation, and certainly I didn't know what Mark was going to say. So You never do. No, no. <laughs> it's always a nice surprise. And it was really, really good. God bless you, everyone. Happy New Year. Hold these truths in your heart. Amen. Amen. Amen.